Thank you, Shelley and worship team. If you're visiting, uh, my name is Dan. I'm the guy who snuck out behind Tim at the beginning of the service. Let's just say sometimes when we do things differently between one service and the other, people get confused, and it wasn't Tim this time, so I'm glad to be with you here this morning. We uh, have a unique opportunity this morning. We have something happening on the world stage that has a very personal impact upon this congregation, but it really highlights something that is going on throughout the world that I think gets very little attention. So let me introduce it through the personal contact, but I do want you to see this as we go into it as something that is much bigger and much greater, and as followers of Jesus Christ, needs to be more uh, in, the, in the forefront of our consciousness. I'll, I'll introduce it through what is happening within the next 24 hours. As we freely worship here this morning, an American pastor from North Carolina sits in a Turkish prison. Some of you are familiar with him, some of you are not. It is Pastor Andrew Brunson. He has family connections here to, uh, to Central Church. Uh, but Pastor Andrew Brunson has, uh, grew up in the United States, was, was uh, educated in an American seminary, has spent, though, with his wife and his family the last 23 years in Turkey. He is the pastor of Izmir Resurrection Church in Izmir, Turkey. About 18 months ago, just following all the, the uprising that happened in Turkey and the Turkish government's attempt to put that uprising down, Pastor Andrew was called in to meet with the authorities. He thought he was going there to get his visa renewed. He's, he was looking for a permanent visa there. Instead, he was imprisoned. He was imprisoned uh, the first 17 months without any charges being filed against him, without being shown any of the evidence that supposedly exists against him, without access to his file. He was simply a, a prisoner with no, uh, no, no knowledge of what would happen and how this would end. Within the last month, charges have been filed as, as political pressure has been ramped up, charges that uh, are not only false but ludicrous. An American pastor pastoring a church accused of partnering with terrorist organizations, accused of, of committing espionage, accused ultimately of, of a new term, although I think we're going to hear more and more of it as time goes on, Christianization. In other words, being accused for his very ministry of ministering to people in Jesus' name, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, accused of that. At about 2 a.m. tonight, our time, 9 a.m., 10 a.m., uh, Turkish time, his trial begins. Uh, a 62-page indictment has been filed against him. The prosecutors are asking for not only that he be, he be condemned, but that he be sentenced through that condemnation to 35 years in prison. He's a 50-year-old man. 35 years sentence for a 50-year-old man is essentially a life sentence, if not a death sentence. And that's what's going to happen over the next 24 hours, unless God, determining it will best serve the glorification of Jesus Christ, intervenes and does something else. Now, this has a personal impact here, and it is about Pastor Andrew and his wife, Noreen, and their children, but in other sense, it is much bigger than that. Even though he may be the one many of us know, 
Pastor Andrew is representative of many of our Christian brothers and sisters throughout the world who even today, whether it's through imprisonment or some other form, they are part of what we call the persecuted church. So this morning is about Pastor Andrew, but it is in an even bigger sense about, again, what is not, I think, on our radar most of the time and should be the persecuted church. What do I mean by the persecuted church? The persecuted church, church in the big C sense, is everyone who experiences severe hostility from the world simply because they identify as a Christian. Make no mistake about it, that's why Pastor Andrew sits in prison right now. That is why he's going on trial. There's no evidence that he has committed espionage or terrorism. All the witnesses supposedly cited in this indictment are secret witnesses. He is in trial, or he is going on trial because he identifies as a Christian, because he brings the message of Jesus Christ to the people of Turkey. Christians around the world face these kinds of persecution on a daily basis. Here's just some of the forms of persecution that around the world happen every day, happen even now. Christians face discrimination. There are Christians in many countries who cannot hold a job above a certain level because those are taken away from Christians or can't get a job at all or can't vote because of the fact that they follow Jesus Christ. Christians face confiscation of their property, of of the homes that they live in in certain countries around the world if it becomes known that they follow Jesus Christ. More severely, Christians are, are beaten on a daily basis just simply for the fact that they follow Jesus Christ. There's other more severe forms of punishment that I won't go into this morning that believers face around the world. Although, by the way, you can go on some of the websites that are cited in your worship bulletin today. Some of those ministry organizations monitor the kind of persecution that our our brothers and sisters face around the world. There is physical torture. There is imprisonment. There is sexual assault. Even daily, Christian brothers and sisters around the world lose their lives. They pay with their lives for following Jesus Christ. Unless you think this is just an incidental thing or only happens here or there, our own United States State Department keeps records of this, and right now they note that Christians in more than 60 countries around the world face persecution either from their governments of the countries they live in or the people, their surrounding neighbors that they live in. One of the the ministries cited in your, your worship bulletin today is Open Doors that, that maintains what's called the World Watch List. They rate countries about the degree of persecution that if you are a Christian, you face in that. There is the, the degree of a high level of persecution. And some of the countries that are listed under there include, to my surprise, Mexico, Colombia, Algeria, China, Indonesia, Sri Lanka, But above high is very high, and the World Watch List records that if you live in the following countries, you face a very high level of persecution. Tunisia, Nigeria, Ethiopia, Kenya, Saudi Arabia, Syria, Jordan, Turkey, Vietnam, Laos. And if that wasn't high enough, the World Watch List maintains a level called a severe level of persecution. Imagine living in a country as a believer of Jesus Christ, 
where you are subjected on a daily basis to a severe threat. Countries like Libya, Sudan, Somalia, Yemen, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan, India, North Korea. This is the reality of the world around us. I know it's not our reality as we get up and we have a warm breakfast, most of us, and we, we can make a free decision about whether we're going to come and we're going to worship today. We have, we have the freedom to decide where we're going to go when we leave here today. But that is not true of so many of our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Why does persecution happen? Why does God allow Pastor Andrew to sit in prison, to be subjected to trial? Why does God allow Christians around the world to be subjected to sexual assault and physical torture and imprisonment? Why does God allow Christians around the world to lose their lives simply for, faith, for following Jesus Christ? Well, we don't, we don't pretend to know all the reasons God does this, but one of the reasons, one of the realities why persecution happens is because we have an enemy. We have the enemy of Satan, the devil, and Satan wants to destroy the church. I, I, I realize that, that for some in our, our modern, supposedly evolved co- culture, the idea of, of a satanic presence of, of a devil seems, seems antiquated, but it's not only true in Scripture. The longer I, I live my life and hear about what goes around me in the world today, I am convinced even apart from Scripture that there is, a, there is a devil, there is Satan. But consider what it is God's Word has to say about the relationship between persecution and Satan. Peter writes, Peter the Apostle writing to persecuted believers in 1 Peter 5, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. Peter says, not only is there a devil, but he is your enemy. He is your enemy because he is God's enemy, first of all. Because God has defeated him through Jesus Christ at the cross, he is a defeated enemy, but the battle is not complete yet. And so he seeks in his hatred of God and of Jesus Christ and of the bride of Jesus Christ, the church, he seeks to persecute. He seeks to devour, to destroy the church. So he declares war against you if you follow Jesus Christ. He declares war against the church. Revelation 12, he's compared to a dragon declaring war against all those who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Can I say this? You don't really have much to worry about from Satan if if you live your life, your Christian life undercover, if, if it really isn't real, if it's just really a matter of going to church once a week or, or listening to, to, to Christian podcasts, but if you seek to faithfully follow Jesus Christ, if you seek to be used by Him to advance the gospel message of salvation through Jesus Christ, you become targeted. You become part of what He wants to devour. Satan seeks to devour the church. Satan deceives people into becoming part of that, into persecuting Christians. Jesus says himself in John 16, he's he's talking at this point about about Jews who who were really opposed to, to his ministry, who were persecuting his followers. He warns, indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that he is offering service to God. And I imagine if you talk to people in 
the Turkish government right now about why Pastor Andrew Brunson is sitting in prison and why he's going to go on trial, they would offer to you what they think is a perfectly rational explanation for that, which would make no sense to us. Why? Because Satan has deceived them. Behind all their political maneuvering, using Pastor Andrew Brunson as a political pawn between our two nations, is a level of satanic deception that operates uh, in the Turkish government. Another reason why God allows persecution is because persecution has a purifying effect upon the church. What do I mean by that? Well, Peter again gives us a visual image of that. 1 Peter 1, such trials shows the proven character of your faith, which is more valuable than gold that is refined by fire. Raw gold, the image he's using in and of itself, isn't suitable for beautiful jewelry. Raw gold is filled with impurities, and so that gold has to be heated up at such a high heat through fire that it becomes liquid, and in in that liquid state, the impurities in the gold rise to the top where they can be skimmed off. And then you have a pure gold that can be used to make jewelry out of. Peter's saying that is what God does through persecution, even in ways that we don't understand, with limits that we don't understand or we don't always see. God is using the heat, the fire of persecution to, as he says, to bring about the proven character of a believer's faith. Just as when you look at a purified gold bracelet or necklace or ring, you see something that draws you to it in its beauty, so the proven character of a believer who has walked through the fire of persecution attracts people to the gospel, attracts people to the Christ in a way that people just living their lives kind of undercover in their faith never, never will. God uses it to purify His church. God uses it to bring about the the proven character of a believer's faith. God is doing that right now in Pastor Andrew Brunson. As the world watches as this man sits in prison, retains his faith, as the world watches as this man goes to trial, if God allows that tomorrow, and testifies to these charges of Christianization, the world will see proven character of his faith being brought out. The world will see the church that he represents there in Izmir, Turkey, the proven character of that church reaching out. Persecution reveals what a person's faith is really rooted in. You know, again, we we can claim to be believers. We can go through the motions of being a believer and, and yet, when, when the heat of persecution comes on us, when it gets tough, when there's sacrifice, when there's cost to that, many, many fall away. Jesus says that in Matthew 13, 21. He's, he's speaking about that parable of the sower and the seed, and that seed that falls on shallow soil, even though it tries to spout, sprout roots, it really doesn't get rooted in that soil. And what happens when the heat of the sun comes out? It, it dries up. Jesus says that's like a believer or at least a professing believer who really hasn't rooted in their faith. He says, but he has no root in himself and does not endure when trouble or persecution comes because of the world or the word immediately he falls away. Persecution tends to reveal that. Are you deeply rooted in who God really is and and your identity through Jesus Christ in him? 
Or is Christianity just a cultural thing for you? Is Christianity just about what is maybe socially advantageous to you? Jesus says, persecution will tell. And it's through the fire of persecution that in Pastor Andrew's case and in the case of many of our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world, it will be seen that they are really rooted deeply in who Jesus is and what he has done for them. There are many other reasons that we could go into, but we don't have time to today for why God allows persecution. But let me just bring it home for us this morning. If all this is true, what does this call us to do? What does this call you and me as followers of Jesus Christ to do today, both, both on behalf of, of Andrew Brunson, but also on the behalf of many other brothers and sisters in Christ who are persecuted around the world? I, I think the theme verse for today would be Hebrews 13.3. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners. Remember those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. You know, I'll just admit my humanness. Um, Remembering those who are in prison, you know, maybe I can do that for 15 minutes, hearing a reminder that we should pray for, for people like Pastor Andrew. Remembering those who are suffering, maybe, maybe I can remember that from time to time. Why? Because the details of my life crowd that out so easily. And even right now, you may be sitting and your thoughts may be going more about where you're going to have lunch today and what, what you're going to need to do this afternoon and what you're going to watch on TV tomorrow and what you need to accomplish uh, next week than they are on the reality that a man sits in prison facing a trial that could put him in prison for the rest of his life or the reality that men and women are suffering for their faith in over 60 countries around the world. We're called to remember them as if we were in prison. Put yourself, to the extent your imagination can, put yourself in a prison cell right now. Put yourself in a prison cell with no knowledge of when that door will ever open, with no knowledge of whenever you will be let out. How would that drive you to care? How would that drive you to pray? Put yourself in the place of a Christian being beaten or sexually assaulted. How would that consciousness change what you're thinking about? How would that reprioritize what you think about? That is what we're called to do. We are called when we wake up in the middle of the night, we're called to think about what must that man or woman in a prison cell, when they wake up in the middle of the night and they realize they're not at home with their family, what must they feel? How does that move me to pray? How does that move me to minister on their behalf? Remember those in prison. Remember those who are mistreated. We remember them first by by praying for them. And again, I want to use Pastor Andrew as as an example of how to pray for them, but, but it is much wider than even Pastor Andrew. Pastor Andrew Brunson on March 29th communicated with his family, and we have a copy of that. And here's part of the message that he writes, and he's speaking to his family and and his friends, which would include us. Dear praying friends, I am tense as I now know I will go on trial April 16th. I ask for your prayers. I ask for your prayers first that I have courage and strength. We're called to remember Pastor Andrew. We're called to remember other Christian brothers and sisters in prayer praying for their strength and their courage. 
When I think of praying for a persecuted believer's strength, I, I think of 2 Timothy 4. This is actually a verse that, that Andrew cites in that, that email. Paul writes, but the Lord, he's describing undergoing persecution himself. The Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message would be fully proclaimed for all the Gentiles, all unbelievers, to hear. And so I was delivered from the lion's mouth. We can use the words, really, of this verse. We, we can pray on behalf of Andrew, on behalf of other believers we learn about that are undergoing persecution. Lord, stand by them. And Lord, there's a way in which we know you do stand by them. It's not like we have to ask you some, to do something that is not already in your heart to do. But Lord, Andrew may not feel like you are standing by him. Make him, give him that experiential, real sense of your presence as if you are right there standing by him. Lord, again, using the language, strengthen him. Lord, what he is facing, what these believers who are undergoing persecution is facing, goes beyond what is humanly possible for a human being to endure physically, emotionally, spiritually. Lord, strengthen him physically. Give him sleep Give him, give him rest. Give him energy physically. Lord, strengthen him emotionally. Pick him up. Rescue him from despair. Lord, strengthen him spiritually. Help him to understand your, your, your grasp of this situation, your sovereignty over this situation. Lord, we can even pray, deliver Andrew from the lion's mouth. I know how I want him to be delivered. I want him to be delivered through a miraculous intervention of God that either frees him from prison, and we see examples of that in Scripture, or somehow pulls him out of that trial. And God can do that. And so I'm called to pray for that, and I want to pray for that. But I also know that God may have other ways of delivering Andrew that may involve going through that trial. And so I pray, Lord, I pray as my Savior modeled for me, Lord, here's my will, here's what I want you to do in delivering him, but not my will, but your will be done. If your will and your plans to glorify yourself would take him through another path of being delivered. Luke 21, Jesus speaking to those who are undergoing persecution, warns they will seize you and persecute you. You will be brought before kings and governors of my name. Let me pause there. Does that sound familiar? What is happening to Andrew tomorrow? He is being brought before the Turkish equivalent of kings and governors. And so how are we called to pray for him? That next line, this will be your opportunity to bear witness. Lord, we pray for Andrew. We pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters when they face persecution that that will be seen by them clearly as an opportunity to bear witness, to speak about the love of Jesus Christ, to speak about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He will have that opportunity. Lord, we pray that he has the courage and the strength to take advantage of that opportunity. Acts 4.29, again, believers being persecuted, they pray, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. We can pray, Lord, enable Andrew to speak your word with great boldness if he stands before that court tomorrow. Andrew asks that we pray for his courage. I think of Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. 
So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Can we turn that around and make that a prayer for Andrew, to make that a prayer for our persecuted brothers and sisters? Lord, assure Andrew that regardless of what his emotions are telling him with the ups and downs of how he must be feeling emotionally in that, that you will never leave him. You will never forsake him. Lord, be a helper to him. May he sense your help, that you hold him right in your hands, right in the middle of that situation. Lord, strengthen Andrew so that he will not be afraid of any man, that he will not be afraid of the prosecutor, that he will not be afraid of the judge, that he will not be afraid of the Turkish government. Why? Because he knows that you will never leave him. You will never forsake him. He has no reason to be afraid of man. Lord, hold him up and give him courage. We can pray for Andrew. We can pray for our brothers and sisters like that. Secondly, Andrew asks, I ask for your prayers that the Lord will expose the lies of the many false witnesses and establish truth. That, that indictment, 62 pages, it's, it's filled with secret witnesses. What, what that means, what, just, just so we're clear here, is we're not going to tell you who the witnesses are, and we're not going to tell you what the witnesses say, we're just going to tell you it supports these charges that we've raised against you. That reminds me of what the psalmist says, what God says to the psalmist, Psalm 33, the Lord frustrates the plans of the nations. Of the, nations. the Lord thwarts all their schemes. We can pray that. Lord, we realize that what is going on here is this political battle of wills between our country and, and, and Turkey. And Lord, we pray that you would thwart the plans of the Turkish government to use Andrew as a political pawn. Lord, we pray that you would thwart the plans of these countries that are determined to eradicate Christianity from doing so, that you would thwart all their schemes. Behind Turkey, behind the government there, obviously lies, as we talked about already, that the, the evil one. Ephesians 6 reminds us that even though while there is a very real battle going on tomorrow in a courtroom, ultimately that struggle is not against the flesh and blood of a prosecutor or judge or other government officials, but against the rulers, the powers, the world rulers of this darkness, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. And we pray that we would always be conscious of that, that the ultimate enemy is not some Turkish government official. The ultimate enemy is Satan who is behind that, who is motivating that, who has even that government official in the trap of deception. We can even pray that that person be released, those people be released from that deception. Thirdly, Andrew asks that we pray that I represent Jesus Christ well with peace, love, and forgiveness. And I love Psalm 37, commit your way to the Lord Trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. He will make the justice of your cause shine like the noonday sun. We can pray this on Andrew's behalf and the behalf of our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. Lord, help Andrew commit his way to you, all that he intends to do tomorrow. Help him commit his way to you. Help him to trust in you. Lord, and as he does this, we pray that through this process, you would make his righteousness shine like the dawn. You would make what is hidden in darkness come out in the light. 
We pray that you would reveal the justice of his cause as if it was brought out into the noonday sun. Lord, we see this situation as unfair and unjust. There is a lot of deception covering that up. Lord, bring it out into the light. Bring it out into the light so that all of Turkey and all of the world will see what is really right and true, what is really righteous and just in this situation. Let me just summarize some of the ways that I encourage you to pray as I seek to pray for persecuted believers, for Andrew, for his wife Noreen, but for persecuted believers around the world. We remember Andrew and other persecuted believers with these kinds of prayer themes. We can pray and we should pray that they would sense God's presence in the middle of their persecution. We can pray that they would experience God's peace even in the midst of their persecution. We can pray that they would see God meet all of their needs and all the physical needs of their families. We can pray that they would remain rooted in God's Word, even in the midst of the most severe persecution. We can, remain, we can pray that they would even remain joyful in suffering. Not a happy joy, as sometimes our culture uses that word, but that deep-down sense of joy that can only come through Christ. We can pray that they would love their persecutors, that they would even be able to forgive their persecutors. We can pray that their persecutors would be one to Christ. Remember who the Apostle Paul was? He was Saul of Tarsus, a persecutor of Christians, who was one to Christ and became Paul the Apostle. We can pray that their testimony would impact the world. And when a man like Pastor Andrew Brunson, empowered by the Holy Spirit stands firm in his faith, even in the midst of the kind of persecution that he now faces and will face tomorrow. When he stands firm in his faith, the world sees it. Turkey sees it. The rest of the world sees it. It impacts the world. God uses it for his greater purposes. By the way, just quickly, remembering persecuted believers goes beyond praying for them. There are ways that you can tangibly minister, that you can encourage persecuted believers In your worship bulletin today, there's a couple ministry organizations that minister specifically to to persecuted believers, including Voice of the Martyrs and, and Open Doors and ACLJ, the American Center for Law and Justice. Through those websites, through those ministries, they'll give you opportunities to write letters to persecuted believers that they get to them to encourage them. They give you opportunities to to meet the needs of their families when somebody is in prison or meet the needs of, of the families of someone who's been martyred, been killed for their faith. There are very practical ways that you can minister directly to persecuted believers and their families. And finally, we can remember them by speaking up for them. I encourage you, I challenge you to look up one or more of those websites, get their Facebook updates, get their Twitter updates, however it is you want them to communicate with you. Bring to the front burner of your consciousness the reality of our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. Track the world watch list. Track individual Christians that are highlighted who are in the midst of persecution. And as you become more aware and more conscious and are more praying, allow yourself to be used by God through your social media to spread that out and make others more aware of it as well. 
even very practically, there's ways for you to petition, to petition the Turkish government, to petition the United States government on Andrew's behalf, on the behalf of other Christians, aclj.org, the American Center for Law and Justice, is an excellent place to start. We want to close the service today, making this, again, more than just a perfunctory prayer on this day. Uh, we, we want to draw this body into praying for, for Andrew. And we are going to pray. Um, we're going to have some, some people come and lead prayer in just a moment here. But I would encourage you to, to make a, a commitment to let your prayer go beyond today. Maybe tomorrow you might fast, giving up one of your meals and praying in place of that meal for Andrew and for persecuted believers. Maybe you want to put this on your regular prayer list, however God moves you to pray. But right now I'm going to ask three people to come up, uh, Angela Brunson and Steve Rennix and Kelly McGugan in a moment. They're going to lead us in prayer. Uh, as uh, they lead us in prayer, I-, I want you to join with them. Maybe you want to kneel. Maybe you want to come up to uh, the-, the altar here, however it is. But let's join together as the body, praying for Andrew, praying for our persecuted brothers and sisters as this sister and two brothers lead us in prayer. As they're coming up, come on up, Steve and Kelly and Angela. As they're coming up, let me close reading to you a song that Andrew Brunson wrote from prison. After many months in prison, he wrote this song. Hear hear it with probably the emotion and impact that that I'm not able to give, not being in that prison cell with him. But hear it as I read it. You are worthy, worthy of my all. My tears and pain I lift up as an offering. Teach me to share in the fellowship of your suffering. Lamb of God, you are worthy of my all. You are worthy, worthy of my all. Adopted as a son, a brother to my king. Indeed, I will share in your glory if I share your suffering. Jesus, you are worthy of my all. You are worthy, worthy of my all. But my heart faints, drowned in sorrow, overwhelmed. Make me like you, cross-bearer, persevering, faithful to the end to stand the trial and receive the crown of life. You are worthy, worthy of my all. This is my declaration even in the darkest hour. Jesus, the faithful one who loves me, always good and true, you made me yours. You are worthy of my all. I want to be found worthy to stand before you on that day with no regrets from cowardice, things left undone, to hear you say, well done, my faithful friend. Now enter your reward. Jesus, my joy, you are the prize I'm running for. Jesus, my joy, you are the prize I'm running for. You are worthy, worthy of my all. You are worthy, worthy of my all. What can I give to the Son of God who gave himself for me? Here I am. You are worthy of my all. Let's go to prayer. Sovereign Lord, your word tells us that the heart of the king is like channels of water in your hand, and you turn them whichever way you desire. You turn the heart of Pharaoh to show favor toward Joseph. You turn the hearts of 
Nebuchadnezzar and Darius to show favor toward Daniel. You turned the heart of Cyrus toward the Jews in the times of Ezra. You are our unchanging God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we pray that you will intervene again. We pray, Lord, that you will shut the mouths of those that are accusing uh, Andrew in the same way that you shut the, the mouths of the lions in the den. We pray that the lies and the false accusations will be exposed and truth will be revealed in the same way that you did with Daniel before the king. And we pray, dear Lord, that you will move the hearts of those that are in charge of judging Andrew's case. And Lord, in the same way that you have done throughout history, that they will be moved to show favor on Andrew. As we pray for Andrew, we also pray for the millions of others around the world that are suffering for your name. Many ostracized from family, many in prison, many who have lost their homes and their families have been rejected by their communities. Lord, we lift them up before you today. We pray that you will give them the right words as they speak boldly of you and your gospel. We pray that you will grant them your all-sufficient grace and that your power will be made perfect as they face their trials. We pray that they will manifest the joy of the Lord before those who persecute them. We pray that you will guard their hearts against bitterness and grant the power to love their enemies. We pray that you will keep them from becoming discouraged and that you give them the strength to endure until the end. We pray that you may keep their hearts fixed upon their future glory rather than on their present circumstances. And we pray that their love for you will grow stronger each day and they will experience your constant love for them. And precious Father, we ask that you also teach us by their example what it means to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We are so grateful for the freedom that we have but, Lord, there are circumstances where we need to stand up for you in our communities, in our country, in our culture. Give us boldness to stand for you, to witness for you, to proclaim your glory and your gospel. We pray this in your powerful name. Lord, we come to you as a body of believers, praying that above all, you will be glorified during Andrew's proceedings. Father, we know that you are all-powerful in this situation and that your plans cannot be thwarted. Lord, please fight for your purposes in Turkey and defend your servant Andrew. Your word says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the battle is not yours but God's. Father, we are asking that you be glorified while fighting this battle for the persecuted church and for Andrew. Make your presence known to him so that he may know that he is not alone. Drive out all worry and fear and establish a deep peace in Andrew during this time of trial. Give him restful sleep, physical stamina, and give him courage and strength. We echo the words of Andrew's song, You are worthy, worthy of my all, but my heart faints, drowned in sorrow, overwhelmed. Make me like you, cross-bearer, persevering, faithful to the end, to stand trial and receive the crown of life. Your word says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Please do this for Andrew and for his family. Give this perfect peace that only you can provide to his wife, Noreen, and to his children, Jordan, Jacqueline, and Blaze. Let the presence of the Lord be a source of true joy and deep comfort to them in this time of waiting. 
heal the losses and restore what has been taken from them during this 18 mile, 18 months of Andrew's imprisonment. The word says, I will restore you as the years that the swarming locust has eaten as to the years. And Lord, please restore this time to the Brunson family as well. Lord, please demolish the spiritual strongholds of lies, accusations, prejudice, and fear. Let us focus our prayers on the real enemy. We pray that your protection where Andrew has been falsely accused and expose the lies of the many false witnesses and establish truth. Let blessing and honor be bestowed on Andrew. Continue to fill Andrew with the Holy Spirit and help him to see any opportunities from you to bless those who curse him. We pray for him to represent Jesus Christ well with peace, love, and forgiveness. Give opportunities for Andrew to boldly speak for Jesus, both in prison and during this trial, in order to advance the gospel. Empower the church in Turkey so that believers may live and speak boldly for Jesus. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for loving us like you do. Lord, so many times we go through our lives trying to do all of this on our own, and yet we continually fail. Yet you seek us out time and time again and show us the love and the grace that only you know how to give. You never give up on us. Lord, we specifically pray for our brother Andrew and so many other Christians around the world who are in the midst of unimaginable persecution. I pray that whatever their circumstances, that you continue to give them the words of Ephesians six nineteen through 20, that they may also say, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, Words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Lord, I pray that our brothers and sisters are bold in their proclamation of you and your never-ending grace and love. Lord, we also ask that you open the eyes and soften the hearts of these individuals who bring these horrible abuses upon our fellow brothers and sisters. Lord, even you created these people and you sent your son to rescue them. We lift them up to you. We pray for your light to shine in the darkest of hearts. We pray for a longingness to know you and softening of hearts. Lord, use our friends to draw their adversaries closer to you. Lord, comfort these families who many times do not receive updates about their loved ones and are not allowed to visit. But I pray that they, are, they remain understanding of the calling that you have placed in their lives. We pray for their peace, knowing that you are in control. Lord, we pray that you would stir the hearts of our world leaders, that they would not only draft, but enact necessary policies and procedures to make a lasting global difference. Lastly, Lord, we pray for support from the church. Whether we are giving up our time in prayer or our resources and physical support, that the church must rally around those suffering for Christ. Lord, I pray that the church can call out to you in unison to intercede on their behalf. As we think and pray about Andrew and the persecution he has gone through over the last year, I pray that we also reflect on the call that you have for all of us. So often, Lord, we spend our lives trying to remove tension and avoid persecution from our daily lives. We willingly turn from it. Some might even call that the American dream, the removal of all things that may be difficult. And then we say we're blessed because of it all. Despite us living that way, it is so counter to what you tell us. You do some of your best work in those tension-filled moments. Lord, you tell us in the Sermon of the Mount that we are blessed when our commitment to you provokes persecution. We are blessed when we are insulted and people spread lies about us because of a relationship with you. We are blessed when our strength is failing 
less of us, Lord, and more of you. And Lord, we are blessed when we are meek and content with our current circumstances. None of that sounds like the American dream. Lord, I pray that we have a clear perspective on what it means to follow you. Much like Paul and Silas and Acts, I pray that we can pray and sing and even praise in the face of hardships. That acting out in faith, despite our circumstances, we can draw people closer to you. Lord, thank you for our brothers and sisters who sacrifice everything for the sake of your call. And we pray all this in your mighty name. Amen. Would you stand and we'll be dismissed. I encourage you especially to go to aclj.org. They will record the progress in as real time as they can of what's happening with Pastor Andrew's situation, as well as give you an opportunity to get connected with persecuted believers around the world. Let me leave you with this benediction. In the darkest days of Israel's history, when everything looked bleak and dark, the words of the prophet in Lamentations 3, this I recall to mine, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is our hope, and we commit Pastor Andrew to him. Amen. Go in peace.